What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of National Pastime. John, Toaster, and J-Rob here, although conspiracy theories say that this isn't actually J-Rob. It might actually be Damar Hamlin. I'm not sure. He may also be dead. So there's a lot that we don't know here. Uh, Well, I mean, that's par for the course, I suppose. suppose. But uh, anyway, divisional round. The quote-unquote best weekend of football of the year. I don't know if it actually lived up to that, and we'll get into some of that in the games, but I think the biggest takeaway overall is What's the four that, best... Four or no? Yeah, oh, yeah, not, not to brag. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, nailed it. Fucking nailed it. Uh, Coaster's a loser and bet on the Cowboys for some reason. I don't know. Um, but... I think the biggest takeaway overall, at least from my side, is the four best teams in the NFL made it uh, onto the championship round. So the funny thing about this, and I sent this uh, to you guys on Twitter, but I saw somebody point out that the four team, they're the four teams with the largest point differential in the NFL this year. And it's like, oh, weird. Like best offense and the best defense. Interesting strategy. I guess we don't have to go that far, right? Um, like we have analytics coming out of our ears at this point that, you know, rightfully provide a lot of context in certain areas. But like these were the four teams that beat their opponents by the most amount all year. So go figure. They made it. Um, now, as far as the games went from the divisional round, the first two, um, I mean, we'll we'll get into I guess just starting chronologically here, the Jags go to Arrowhead, they lose. But the big story is Patrick Mahomes got hurt. He did come back into this game. Um, I'm going to go out at my headline for this is that Swag Henny saved the day yet again for the Chiefs. Um, So good on that guy. Also, when he first stepped in and it said his little thing said like 15th year in the league, I was like, holy fuck, dude. Yeah, he was playing against Kurt Warner. He's been retired for 13 years. <laughs> That's unreal. wild. That's actually wild. <laughs> unreal. Um, but, you know, Mahomes comes back in. They end up winning. Obviously, the Ch- the Chiefs were the better team. I-, I don't know if there's anything we really need to say about the Jags other than, like, good on them. Like, obviously, no team has ever had the number one pick back-to-back years and then made the playoffs. They not and only won made a it game in the playoffs. Yeah. And won a game, right? So... Good for them. And, you know, realistically, it they lost the Chiefs by seven, you know, like in Arrowhead, like good for them. But, um, you know, the Chiefs move on. And again, I think Mahomes is the story there, which is probably more of a discussion point for once we get into the preview of next week and their game against the Bengals. But anything else stand out to you guys about this game um, that we should be discussing? It's Trevor Lawrence's first loss on Saturday. I'm sure J-Rob was going to go there. Um, The bigger thing to me is that the Jags had the opportunities here, and the Chiefs just continue to find a way. Uh, Don't need to get into the refing controversies there, but uh, there were definitely some some calls that made it look like a neutral game site was uh, better for the NFL, Um, and you could only keep a neutral game site going if the Chiefs won that game. Uh, But 
that Jamal Agnew fumble. Uh, I really wish just that didn't happen, not to change the outcome of the game, but just to see what that last minute, six minutes of football or three minutes of football would have been, because that would have been that would have been enthralling. Quite frankly, you would have had to challenge Patrick Mahomes to win the game at that point versus just manage the game slash not F up the game um, yeah. on that hobbled ankle. The biggest takeaway to me, though, was why the fuck was Mahomes back in immediately after that ankle injury he did two handoffs just trying to get to the end of the first half uh pull them out immediately you got to protect these players from themselves uh, i'm not sure that he would have done any additional damage at that point but if you weren't going to have him throw passes then why not have chad henny in there and just hand the ball off like you did um that that was something that will be interesting to see how healthy he is moving forward we can get into that but three, four extra plays on that ankle immediately after it happened was not the right decision. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you there. J-Rob, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, this game was a lot closer than I even thought it was going to be. Not that I was discrediting the Jags, but I mean, Trevor Lawrence is... Yeah, did you pick the Jags? No, I had the Chiefs. I joined the Dark Side. the only one that lost. We won. We both picked the Jags. Yeah, yeah. joined the Dark Side and... Subtle, yeah. subtle twist of the knife there. Like, oh, yeah. didn't you pick them? Oh, right, but not by enough. That's right. Yeah, okay. of course. Classic Chiefs move, too. They're like, oh, well, we'll win by a touchdown, but we won't win by nine. It's like, you fuckers. Um, but shout out to Coach Peterson, like turning that team around after being completely abysmal under Urban Meyer. I think if Dayball wasn't doing with what he's doing with that shitty Giants roster, I think he's winning Coach of the Year. Um, but I think Dayball ends up getting that. But Trevor Lawrence, I think, solidified himself as the guy for that team. You love to see his leadership kind of growing into it. A lot of people had questions about his leadership coming into this year, and he shows that he's really taken on that role well, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, Peterson. But all in all, the Jaguars, another team like the Seahawks, you can't be mad about any of this outcome. Like This is all icing on the cake. This is gravy. And once again, the Chiefs are fifth year in a row hosting the Arrowhead Invitational for the AFC Championship game, and... Yep. I hate my life as a AFC West fan. <laughs> I, I did leave one thing out. Have you guys heard of this guy named Travis Kelk? Because uh, apparently... Yeah, he's the brother of the Eagle Center, right? I think so, yeah. Oh. He's like um, a backup the, tight end, right? How the fuck do you not have somebody shadowing him at all times? Like the number of times that he would come off a block and she's like, no, this dude... He will block, don't get me wrong, but like he will open up and be the outlet for Patrick Mahomes. When Patrick Mahomes is hobbled, he's going to look at Kelk every single time. And oh, should I start him? call him by his real name? This isn't a Titan situation. He's actually respectable. Okay, I guess. Yeah, Travis, I think we got to put some respect <laughs> on his name. Tied with Gronk for uh, the most postseason reception yards, um, only behind uh, J- Jerry Rice and one other individual um, who's escaping my name right now. But yeah, third time, third all time in receiving yards in the N- in the NFL postseason. Um, how he was able to come open as a safety blanket as often as he did was egregious. And again, we'll get into it. But I think that that's something that they will put a kibosh on uh, when the Bengals play them. Yeah, um, thank you for calling that out because. I tweeted during that game. I was like, how is he always open? Like every year I I sat there all fucking year and watched 17 games of nobody ever being open for the bears. And Travis Kelsey, one of the best players on the planet is just wide ass open every fucking play. It makes no sense to me, but like, he's just, he's unreal. And the connection he has with Mahomes, like they share the same brain. They 100% they share the same brain. 
they do and they have such good feel like one of the things when you watch them that is and a lot of like really good quarterback receiver relationships you'll see this but they just have a sense for like waiting for windows to open and it's not just like oh he's open let's get it to him straight away it's like nope we're going to let this play out just a little bit. He's going to drift. I'm going to drift. I'm going to hold. I'm going to pump. And then, you know, it's just like the way that they're able to open up passing windows between the two of them is just remarkable. So, yes, thank you for calling that out because I <laughs> during that game, I was like mind blown. He's the only like serious weapon they have on the field, frankly. And mm -hmm. he's just they couldn't stop him. Yeah, and so, I mean, to me, it just comes down to how great it is to have somebody in the middle of the field that can essentially be the post player. Uh, if you look back at the Super Bowls, I mean, through 2015, you've basically got Gronk or Travis Kelsey or um, Greg Olson in the Super Bowl pretty much every year. Like, it is invaluable to be able to have that short throw to the middle of the field available to you. And uh, again, I just don't understand it. I, I would... I would sacrifice two players uh, just to make sure that even if he came off a block, he had somebody. Because if you look at yeah. like, Kadarius Tony had five receptions for only 36 yards, but those were mostly tosses in the flats. And then nobody else had, I mean, Juju had two, everyone else had one reception. Like that was their only offense. Sacrifice it for someone else, especially when you know that Mahomes is hobbled in the pocket. So I do think the Jags missed an opportunity here. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, the Jags have a good front, you know, for stopping the run, or they've done a good job with that this year. But I just don't know if they've got the coverage guys in the back end for the most part. So that'll be an area that maybe they can address moving forward. But um, I mean, it's the Chiefs, though. I mean, it, like you you tip your cap and you go home and enjoy the fact that, you know, your season was a couple weeks longer than, you know, it has been for for a while. So um, good on them. Chiefs move on. We'll definitely come back to the Mahomes thing. Um, the second game here, the Giants and Eagles, 38 to 7. Um, you know, the Giants' magical run comes to an abrupt end, and it was like a no contest from the beginning of this fucking game. Um, the Eagles. Did you have on this one, Josh? I had the Eagles on this one. Yeah, okay. I think we're all oh, yeah. on that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I might be dumb, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the Giants, like, same sort of thing. You tip your cap to them, but, like, the Eagles are clearly the most – I think they're the most talented team overall in the NFC. And when Jalen Hurts is healthy and is playing the way that he played, I mean, it's just – the Niners will be a good test, and I think we'll get into some of that discussion uh, again in that game. But is there anything that really stood out to either of you on a 38-7 to like ass-kicking like this? Not really. It's kind of similar vibe or good for you guys for making it to the playoffs after expecting to be a bottom five, bottom 10 team. Um, one question I have for you guys that will probably parlay into the Bills-Bengals game with the way Dayball has completely turned around that team and the way Josh Allen has regressed from last year to this year without Dayball, is it safe to say that Allen's success is more to do with Dayball or more to do with just the talent around him and him growing into his role? 
Well, yeah, I mean, that, that that's a good transition for us, I think, um, because, you know, going to the Bengals-Bills game, so Bengals win 27 to 10. My big thought here was, you know, we, we talked about how the, the Bills going into this one are kind of living and dying by Josh Allen just making a play. And I think it was pretty apparent within this game that while – you know, they their roster depth is really good. I mean, I think most people consider the Bills to have one of, if not the most talented rosters, you know, in the NFL um, going into the season. They don't have a ton of stars, especially on offense. Like, you obviously have Josh Allen. You have Stephon Diggs. But, you know, Gabe Davis was like just not – he's been non-existent all year for the most part. And – you just don't like they they don't run the ball well enough to really take a lot of pressure off of Josh. And as much as we thought that the Bengals were going to go into this game with an issue with their offensive line, the Bills were the ones that struggled. And I mean, Josh Allen was under pressure, I think, for almost 50 percent of his dropbacks in this game. And, you know, do you? Do you want to see fewer of the YOLO plays and just more like take what's there from him, which I think to your point is what Dayball was very good at getting out of him and clearly got out of Daniel Jones this year. It, yes. But I think when you really dig into it and maybe it was just magnified by playing against a really good Bengals defense, a really good game plan defensively from the Bengals that the bills just don't have the horses, like unless Josh Allen just, pops the fuck off for for them to really compete once you get down to like this group of teams and you know your final six teams or you know your final four or whatever within the conference like it's it's big boy time but uh, i mean obviously Bengals like deserve all the credit in the world as well and and joe burrow um his his fucking uh refund comment after the game (laughs) <laughs> it was just awesome. I love that guy. But uh, does this game, Toaster, to you say more about, <laughs> I guess, just following the discourse online a little bit over the last couple of days, does it say more to you about Joe Burrow or Josh Allen for better or worse? Um, I, I don't think it's impossible to say that it's about both equally. Um, I, the fact that Joe Burrow is able to just his confidence level is unmatched. Like watch it. I just see him going into a bar and grabbing a dart and saying, I'm going to hit fucking triple twenties three times in a row. And he puts a dart through the dart, through the dart. Right. Um, and so that's just how he, that's how he lives. Um, I, I think it's a big shout out for that offensive staff because everybody came into this game saying, what was the O-line going to be able to do? And guess what? We aren't talking about the O-line at all because they completely changed up their game plan. They're not waiting for these deep routes to develop. They're getting the ball out in less than two and a half seconds and saying, look, Joe is that diverse that we can be successful in this way. And I quite frankly, I think they might've found a little bit of a formula there because if they can be that they can move the ball like they did getting the ball out immediately like that, then all that does is open them up for deep shots as they're, you know, biting on slants. You get the sluggo routes. I mean, that touchdown pass to Hayden Hurst where everybody was going on a, uh, a Jamar chase hitch, uh, hitch route. And then Hurst just goes, bye-bye. Thank you. Um, it says a lot to me about him, but I still think that this is, about Allen and quite frankly, the roster construction of the bills, Brandon Bean, for as much as you give him credit for, I, 
I have to go back and check, but I don't think he's drafted a pro bowler since he drafted Josh Allen. So that we're talking four years now yeah. going on, not being able, you know, you've got some free agency additions with Von Miller, Stefan Diggs, but we all know that that's expensive, right? And you're going to have to start paying Allen. And he did have a magical year last year with Brandon, uh, with Brian Dayball. And I, I didn't see that same level of efficiency that he had before he was ride and die the whole time he's got an arm that anybody would want to have but he just doesn't have that decision making there and i think dayball was able to quite frankly scheme that out of him a little bit by setting him up to be successful and you could take that from a daniel jones perspective right go from zero to hero and all the differences is dayball's in the building so i do think that there's a big issue there um but allen's still got the talent I think a lot of this is narrative too, right? I don't know that the Bills were yeah. as big or as good as they were built up to be this whole time. Um, they had flaws. They were just able to overcome them um, on a couple magical runs. Yeah, and I think looking forward with them, I think that's where this thing really gets interesting is they need weapons, right? Like to your point, they've got a lot of good players, not a lot of great players on this roster. But Josh Allen's not cheap anymore. So mm-hmm. his cap hit goes up from six about 16 million this year to 40 million next year. So team building all of a sudden becomes a lot harder for them. So I, I mean, what do they do? Right? Like, you know, you're going to have to start making some tough decisions. And it's going to have to come at the expense of, you know, some of the other talent on the team. Jordan Poyer is um a free agent this offseason Tremaine Edmonds is a free agent this offseason you know not like otherworldly players but very good players that play a significant role in that defense and you know what does Von Miller look like when he comes back like is that going to provide you the boost at this point in his career that you expect it to I mean it's it's a really tough situation for them um Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, they drafted running backs early on and it hasn't been successful. And so now you're like, well, do yeah. they turn to the veteran running back situation? There's rumors that, you know, Barkley could go there, but you can't pay him. You're not going to be able to pay a running back $12 million. So no. that running game is probably not going to be fixed. That offensive line will continue to need to be worked upon. I, I don't know how they quite frankly get there quickly with this i don't want to call the window closed because any quarterback as talented as these guys like you wouldn't consider the packers window closed right they they weren't competitive but if they make it to the show or they make it to the dance there's an opportunity for them to be oh you mean the jets right because they're about to trade two first round picks for Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) i'd love it i'd love it trade two first round picks for a dude that's going to play for two more years yeah well so this is the interesting question though and this has been like the fun internet discourse um the overreaction to single games and all of this stuff but like j-rob starting a team tomorrow do you want joe burr or do you want josh allen uh joe burrow i'll take joe burrow every time just purely for track record and not from a talent standpoint because allen's physically more gifted than burrow but when it comes to pro pro athletes what you have between the ears is so invaluable and so rare to find and joe burrow is one of those guys that between the ears is elite elite of elite and so i take i would go with burrow but that's not a knock on allen that's more just how good burrow is in these like huge monumental games and not just like winning the close games but handling teams that 
were expected to run like be close to them too and this game felt over from the jump and yeah. it felt like burrow had control he had comfort we were expecting him to get pass rush like crazy i think i'm gonna I always try to toot my own horn when I can because I'm always wrong on this podcast. Uh, it, it was the first game in real life. Don't worry. This is just a show. There you go. Uh, Von Miller was like dearly missed. This was a game that you felt yeah. Von Miller's absence and not that that wasn't a cohesive unit on the offensive line that was absolutely running over everybody. But I can't help but think someone like Von Miller in a division playoff game would not be getting to Joe Burrow at least once or twice in a game that could yeah. potentially make a difference, but do they handle them from the jump? And yeah, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm an owner, I'm looking at Joe Burrow. I'm, I'm seeing how much Patrick Mahomes costs and then <laughs> I'm going straight to Joe Burrow after that. So what about you guys? I disagree. Um, and it's not that uh, it's not a vehement disagreement. I think you can be obviously very successful with both of them. Um, Joe Burr is throwing to what, in my opinion, might be the best wide receiver trio in the history of the NFL. Um, you've got yeah. T Higgins. I mean, Tyler Boyd is an afterthought right now, and he would be an elite number two receiver on most teams in the NFL yeah. right now. Um, and you've got Hayden Hurst making himself available uh, when, when they didn't take a left tackle and they took Jamar Chase, you know, the, the thought process there was like, Oh, well, how are you going to protect him? You don't need to protect him. You throw those balls up to Jamar Chase. Um, I know by the letter of the law, that was not a catch for a second touchdown for Chase in the end zone. But I mean, damn, that was a catch. You put that up in the air and you have somebody like that where you just put it in the vicinity and you're going to be able to get it. Um, I'm not saying that Burroughs overrated for that reason, but I think if you put that same talent with Josh Allen, you're we're not having this conversation right now because the bills are wiping the floor with the Bengals. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think it probably looks a lot different, but the result is probably the same if you flipped those two situations. Um, yeah, I, I mean... Just from going back to that chase non-touchdown, by the way. I mean, this is it's, it's so ridiculous. It's like bullshit. if every single person on the planet is like, look, the vibes are good, that's a catch, that should be able to fucking change it. Like yeah. that was just ridiculous. Well, especially when there's a strafe after the ground, right? It'd be one thing if the ground caused yeah. the fumble, but like you've got Matt Milano falling on top of him and ripping through the ball, like yeah. At what point is it? Is it the ground causing the fumble, or is it you've got a player that's essentially playing after two steps? Quite frankly, in my opinion, he had four steps in bounds and then went to the ground. Yeah, I, my favorite like reaction to that, I saw somebody say, um, "Yes, he caught the ball, but he never accepted it into his heart." Incomplete pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, last point I'll make here. Um, how the hell like did vegas not i mean we obviously didn't know the weather situation when we made our picks um despite the weather didn't know the situation when right but i'm taking a guy named joe burr playing in the snow 100 out of 100 times like i don't care what the line is give me that every day all day um yeah joe burr sir king man love that guy uh, Weatherman not predicting snow for the Arrowhead game this weekend. So um, we get to talk about that later because it's not a sure thing. All right. <laughs> I've, I've got another parlay question for you guys to segue to the next game. I'm trying to trying to bring some parlay. You're trying to learn something. Some parlay puns in here. Um, we always had in the AFC, like Big Ben, Brady, and Manning for God knows how long. 
is Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen the new Brady, Ben, and Manning? Or would you throw Brock Purdy in there as the Brady <laughs> to the Mahomes and Burrow in? I'm, hey, I'm throwing it out there. You never know. What are your thoughts on it? <laughs> okay. I mean, we can transition to the Cowboys 49ers game. Um, I, I, I will say transition that. to ridiculousness. But we can transition yeah. to that game. Everyone thought I, Brady was crazy when he was ripping off his playoff runs, and look at him now. Yeah, I I hear you, but also it's like that's I'm not saying that can't be Brock Purdy. I'm just saying the sample size we have right now, you can't. I'm not going to make that leap quite yet. But I will say he continues to play really fucking well, really poised. His he's got such good feel for the game and and i think that's the thing that really stands out is like when you compare him to what kyle shanahan's had you know or well let's just say in jimmy g jimmy g i think is very good at understanding where he needs to go to the ball with the ball but i think when shit hits the fan jimmy g's feel is gone like he's just panics and he cousins just like he cousins it yeah yeah um purdy just has this ability to just like thrive in those situations and i i I mean the dallas defense is fucking tough like dan quinn deserves all the praise in the world i mean i know he's a serious candidate for the broncos job so we'll probably talk about him at some point but like it what dan quinn's done with a group that really outside of a couple good players isn't that impressive to me i mean micah parsons is on the short list you know top five defensive players in the nfl but like the rest of that group doesn't really do it for me in a lot of different ways and like it i mean they gave the niners fits in this one this was a very close game throughout niners had to pull some crazy plays out of their ass you know george kittle george kittle's catch on a completely dumb throw by Brock Purdy, but it worked out when you've got one of the greatest tight ends there. But yeah, throwing back across the field into coverage, uh, essentially a jump ball. Um, That one changed the game, quite frankly, and it could change the game in two ways because that, I mean, how close was Kittle from being absolutely rocked on that catch? The six sense he had, yeah, the six sense he had to just tuck. Uh, That was wild, dude. Like, that was a moment where in watching that game, you know, we I think we all as the football viewing normies take for granted, like what these guys do week in and week out that play by Kittle, which initially was like. My thought was, oh, shit, he dropped it and then he stuck with it and then to like finally secure it and duck in that moment for me was like one of the craziest. I'm like, I would have died. I would have just died. <laughs> that was me. Like, um, was it Diggs that was flying through there at, yeah. at the end? Yeah. Like, my my head would have been like ripped off my body. And well, in fairness, you would have had a broken finger on the catch to start with, and you would have just dropped it, and no one would have had to deal with anything. But <laughs> yeah, like that was one of those plays where you're like, these guys are not fucking human, you know? Um, but God, that was that was insane. Um, but to me, like. You know, the Niners, we'll, we'll get into some of them in, in the Eagles game here, but 
the big thing for me in this one is kind of similar question with the Bills in a sense, but where do the Cowboys go from here? It, Dak's cap hit, similar to, to Allen's, goes up to $49 million next year. And they already had to get rid of Amari Cooper. Like, C.D. Lamb is good, but he's not like a star guy that can carry an entire receiver group. They're probably going to lose Dalton Schultz, who, despite a couple very dumb moves at the end of this game, um, you know, is he, a good he must player. be headed to San Fran, right? On as a free agent, because like what what he was pulling off at the end of the game there was checked out. I don't I don't know how to explain that. To have just two dumb. catches with not getting your feet in bounds is that was just inexcusable. Yeah, and I blame my team. Yeah. Well, and now you, so Tony Pollard, who's probably their outside of CD lamb, their only other legit offensive weapon gets hurt. And by all accounts, like he's going to be ready for training camp, but he's a free agent. So that fucking sucks for him more than anything, but they're probably, they probably weren't going to be able to resign him either because he's going to go in that 12 to 15 million dollar a year range i would imagine and you're sure shit not going to pay two running backs that much money you well, know, i mean maybe... I, think, I think zeke is gone but he's gonna get um, it's not like it's not like they don't have a dead cap hit they're still gonna eat five million and they'll gain the 11 million that perhaps they can play, play pollard but they're not in a good situation for sure yeah and you know you're gonna have parsons up for an extension after next year and he is probably going to sign the largest um, contract for a defensive player in NFL history, I would imagine. I mean, you're losing Leighton Vander Esch, uh, who I know like isn't a star, but like is a solid piece of that team. I mean, they are their team building it just got a lot harder, and a lot of it you can tie back to just the decision to pay Zeke what they paid him when they didn't have to pay him, and. Now, like, you know, how if they had Amari Cooper in this game, for example, like what sort of difference do you think that would have made for them in a game that they lost by, you know, a touchdown? But like where Dak had nowhere to go with, once Pollard was out of the game. I mean, he had nowhere to go with the ball as CeeDee Lamb wasn't, you know, making something happen underneath it. I, they're in a fucking tough situation. And I know Dax is going to and has taken the brunt of the the discourse saying that, you know, he's not the kind of guy that can elevate a team enough. And now he's being paid like a guy that should. But I, I think Dak is fine. But the I, mean, rest of the I disagree. I think I, I said from the day it happened, that was bad contract. You know what his passing grade was on PFF for that round? 37.6. It was abysmal he just he was not good i'm not making an excuse there yeah i just don't think that he has what it takes to bring them to the next level and you can't be paying i mean he's got to have the highest cap hit next year right 49 million i don't think even with uh i'll look it up in the background here um even with all the guys that have gotten paid i don't think anyone's 49 million rogers not above that uh his might be we're in the year of or lower 2023. Um, the only higher cap number is Deshaun Watson, 55 million. Oh, god damn, <laughs> that's rough. Yeah, yeah uh, trust me, I am not saying that they are getting from Dak at that number what they need to be getting, but 
Dak is, I, I mean, I think he's firmly a top 10 quarterback. He's in the back end. He's, you know, in that seven to 10 range, depending on your flavor of choice. But like, he's, he's a guy that we've seen play at a very, very high level. And I, I just don't think like, what other choice do you have? Right. But have we seen him play at that high, high level without an elite wide receiver one and an elite running game and an elite offensive line, all of which you cannot pay anymore, be, play, pay anymore because you're paying Dak? I, I mean, he put up some pretty damn good numbers this year. I, I, I mean, it's the same conversation. Is Are we saying the same thing about Josh Allen then? Well, no, I, I don't think I didn't think that uh, Dak had a good year this year i mean he was the 28th um i haven't filtered this for playing time but i mean he led the league in interceptions with 17 and he only played 12 games yeah but that i mean that doesn't mean shit to me frankly it's like you're he's throwing interceptions he's he's people he's hitting people in the hands and they're dropping it and it's going into the defender's hands i I can i can see that but i just he's definitely underperformed and regressed since his first is you know years that led up to him being paid what he was. I mean, he had that incredible run while Tony Romo was hurt. And quite frankly, I think there's a lot of, uh, we'll call it Brock prettiness going on with that, where you're like, Oh, is this our, is this our savior? Um, going to get us over the hump. And I don't think that he's quite built to get you there. Maybe not, but I guess where I stand Dak to me, isn't the problem. And if they hadn't given Zeke that contract, if they were able to, be shrewd in a couple other team building moves over the last couple of years, then I think we're in a, a different situation. I mean, I think this year as a whole in the NFL has pointed out, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, how important even a very, very good quarterback's situation is for them to, to get to that next level. And there's very few guys that can elevate a bad situation around them like they can keep you afloat i mean we saw justin herbert in that terrible joe lombardi offense keep them in games because he is so fucking good but like without certain levels of support whether that's scheme play calls offensive line talent receiver like it's it's really hard for Maybe anybody outside of Patrick Mahomes. I hear you. Yeah. Mac Jones was just barely ranked higher than Dak Prescott. So yeah, I hear you. It's hard to succeed when you're not in prime <laughs> situations. Yeah. Fuck Matt Patricia, right? <laughs> hey, Bill O'Brien's back up. <laughs> Let's go bulb. Let's go. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, that's uh, the Dex conversation is, is an interesting one. I, I, I hear, I hear where you're coming from. I guess I'm just, quick to dismiss the idea that like Dak's a bum like because that's what the the discourse is it, yeah it doesn't need to go that it's not that everyone's dichotic on all of this right and so yeah. it's just like you're either the best or you're the worst there's nothing that says like you can be above average or even exceptional but you're not necessarily the guy that's going to be able to carry an entire team past right. that and i don't think anybody is quite frankly i mean patrick mahomes has one super bowl right now right you consider him exceptional but five conference championships in a row and only one Super Bowl. It you gotta, you know, it's a tough, it's tough league to win in. Um is, I don't I'm not going to let this happen. The Patriots broke um, their brains. Just uh, yeah, exactly. True. They really did. Um and I'm not gonna let this happen. 
we will not move on without talking about that last play. Okay, I was going to say, it's criminal that we've gone 15 minutes without talking about this fucking play. Uh, one thing about the Zeke contract, this was the last year of his guaranteed money. So financially, it makes 100% sense for the Cowboys to cut him this year and only take an 11.8 million dead cap hit versus having to pay out the rest of that contract if they don't cut him this offseason. So I do think that gives them some wiggle room. Um, but once again, you have so many guys that are up for free agency that you're not going to be able to reallocate all those assets. Well, I think, easily. I think what they need to do is they're probably going to have to post June one him that saves them 11 mil and they'll, they'll eat 5.8. Obviously that spreads the dead cap hit over into next year as well. But I mean, I, they're gonna, I think they're ultimately going to restructure completely. And when I say restructure, this isn't like a typical restructure where they're moving money around. This is legit. Like, go to Zeke and you're taking a pay cut because Zeke knows he's not getting eight million on the open market right now. So it makes more sense for him to take maybe five or six, which the Cowboys are going to eat anyways, um, cutting him and stay with this team. Uh, I <laughs> this just blew my mind just looking at Zeke's cap hit. Um, Zeke's cap hit from this year would put him just behind Tom Brady as <laughs> quarterback cap hits. Um, Zeke's cap hit was around 18 million. Brady's at 25. So that puts him ahead of Mayfield, Winston, Mariota, Trevor Lawrence, Burrow, you know, the guys that are on rookie deals essentially. But like he's basically making more than half of the quarterbacks in the NFL. To be a short yardage runner, essentially, like he's their yeah. dude that when we need three or less, we'll throw you in, but you're not going to break one anymore. Oh, it's so sad. It is I, so sad. I feel like we're due for him to be the next <clears throat> next Eddie Lacy running back where he comes into training camp fat and we're like, what what happened? And he's dude. like, bro, my guaranteed money's done. I don't give a shit. <laughs> this is all freebie. Um, well, if, we want, if, if we want to look at it from a positional standpoint, let me pull it up real quick here. Um, yeah, he would be the highest cap numbered center by $6 million um, if he were to transition to his real position uh, as a center. He looked great in that position. I mean, he really stuck that snap. You could tell he had, he was not expecting that dude to do a pass rush. He was okay. 100%. Well, the thing is you can't run that after you call it. They call a timeout and have fucking four minutes to figure out what the fuck is going on. That is a gadget play. That's the the fucking tilt a world that the Chiefs did against uh, the whoever the fuck they played last week, where it's just like you have no idea they what's going on. Circles. You don't you don't come up and pull that out and just say, okay, well, they've seen it now. Okay, we're going to still run it because the surprise is gone. That is the only way that works is if you catch them by surprise and they don't know what to do. They only align one person up over the center. And it, even if Zeke gets blown up, then there's no pressure on Zach because at least, you know, Zeke's taken that one person down. Dude, he, what, got I didn't he did. He got absolutely blasted. What I didn't understand about that play is like, I'm all for the, like, I guess, innovation of, hey, we don't want any fucking linemen on the field. But they did have linemen on the field. Who were illegally downfield, by the way, because every lineman on the bottom side of the fucking formation ran upfield immediately. So it would have right. been called back regardless. So why not have one of those big dudes snap the ball to Dak? Like, what would... It didn't make any sense. Oh my god! 
And then the fact that they didn't even get a single lateral off because Turpin just got. I mean, they kind of did. Turpin went lateral, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my lord! Yeah, that was that was a disaster. Um, I just want to know what it was supposed to look like. Like, please, McCarthy, Kellen Moore, whoever the fuck came up with that abysmal disaster, just please draw up what it was supposed to be. Let's get a fucking Madden recreation. the next yeah. gen stats like dots at least exactly you know yeah because like i don't I, like i can somewhat visualize what they were trying to do the problem is that your linemen have to stay within a yard of the line of scrimmage and so you're not going to be able to get them downfield you essentially have to throw a screen pass and then let them get up 10 15 yards if there's only two or three guys to pressure you then you start throwing it back to zeke then you start throwing it across the field and go from there but they legit Everyone on the bottom side of the formation just was like, hey, we're going downfield because we got to go lift our fucking Cavante Turpin off the turf because he might be destroyed right now. Yeah. The last thing for me on this one, um, Mike McCarthy just earned himself another year. Jeez. <laughs> Jerry, 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 Jerry. Yeah. Like, it, this is what makes the Cowboys fun. And, like, I... I sympathize with a lot of fan bases out there. You know, the bears are tough. The Vikings are quite frankly tougher. Um, But the fact that people live and die by the Cowboys thinking they're going, this is going to be their year. And they believe it. That's what makes the NFL fun. It really is just like, no, it's not your year, but damn, I've said it time and time again. The cow, the, the NFL is a better place when the Cowboys are competitive because shit like this happens and it mm-hmm. just makes it so much better. I mean, the fact that uh, <laughs> these two teams haven't won a Super Bowl since 94, 95, um, and the fact that the Cowboys have the longest streak in NFL history, I believe, right, with 12 losses, in the 12 consecutive losses in the divisional round, it is just... Oh, gosh, it's fun. It's fun. It is. You, How about them Cowboys? Do you guys think Kellen Moore's kind of shine as a offensive coordinator prodigy has worn off a little bit? I think it wore off two years ago. I think he actually did himself a, a you know pretty good favor this year with what they had to do and the way that their offense adjusted after Dak went down initially. The fact that they were able to not only be successful, you know, in quotes with Cooper Rush, but then take those same elements and incorporate them into what they were doing once Dak came back. And I mean, they they had some really really big performances offensively this year. And I I don't I mean I think overall yes the shine is not what it was three years ago, but I do think after last year there were some thoughts like oh maybe we don't want to touch this guy. And I think he's now you know, in a position where he probably has to show a little bit more, but he's going to start getting some interviews, I would imagine. We can at least agree that the shine's off of Tony Romo, right? Because he is just not good to listen to anymore. Um, I appreciate Greg Olson so much. Um, Actually, awesome. I was fucking pissed because an article came out and said Greg Olson's interviewing for an OC position with the Chargers. I'm like, no, keep him in the booth. I know he's going to lose out to Tom Brady. That's a different Greg Olson. Different Greg Olson. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) No, Olson is fucking awesome. Like he's, I know when Romo first came around, I think like even 
most of us and i was a fan the appeal was like just how well he knew the game and obviously he was famous for like calling out shit before it happened but like the way that he was able to sort of explain what was going to happen or what was going on was incredible he's kind of become like a bit of a caricature olsen's explanations are so fucking good and like for people that don't know the game super well which frankly is the majority of nfl football fans his explanations were half of all podcasters yeah exactly good thing there's three of us which means one and a half of us is uh knows what they're talking about but um you know, it just, it, he explains the game in a way, and he uses, honestly, the resources available to him really well. Like, he asks really good questions of their rules analysts. Like, he doesn't just go, hey, Tim, what the fuck what do you think, think about like, this? Yeah, yeah. he, like, actually asks questions that gets you to a point of a good, substantial answer, and not that guy, like, forgot that he was on TV and had to, like, stop eating a cheeseburger to, like, throw out some half-baked response to something. I... I love that booth for Fox and I know Olsen's talked about how he he knows he's going to lose that to Brady and he accepts that, but he's made it really fucking hard on them and he's going to make himself a lot of money. Yeah. Like wherever he ends up going, even if he's going to stay their number two, like yeah. he's, but he'll he, be gone once he's got the opportunity. So, I mean, we do get to see him and Burkhart in the Super Bowl. There's only one thing standing in their way and that's, conference championship uh sunday where do we yeah. go well let's get to it so um kind of mentioned off the top a little bit but some some close spreads like this is this is going to be um an interesting week i feel like and you know there beyond close spreads um the odds come out for who's going to be the super bowl champion and i believe that it's either plus 265 or plus 275 for all four teams involved which is basically saying we have no idea what's going to happen wow. until you listen to this podcast let's figure it out exactly and now we're yeah it goes you. for outright winners Bengals 240 eagles 240 chiefs 300 niners 350 so which is changed pretty dang morning, pretty dang close yeah it's pretty close damn so first game here 49ers at Eagles. Eagles are two and a half point favorites at home. I don't want to put too much stock in the ass beating of the Giants, but the Eagles are, they've been the best team in the NFC all year. The Niners have been right there. And I think, you know, recency bias to some degree um, has a lot of people really on the Niners bandwagon. Um, I'll lead us off here. Like, this game to me is way more difficult to pick than the AFC matchup um, only because the Eagles feel like there's still so much unknown about them. They, they really weren't challenged by the giants, you know, um, Hertz is, is healthy, but it's like, I don't know. We haven't seen them have to play a really good team here in a little bit. The Niners, you know, meanwhile have just, fuck they're a tough team dude they're a tough tough team and you go up and down that roster i think offensively the niners probably have you know they rival the Bengals to some degree um as far as offensive skill position talent um defensively they obviously have bosa they have fred warner bufanga you know they're very well coached on that side of the ball D'Amico ryan's is probably going to get a head coaching gig here this offseason but 
the Eagles are fucking brutal up front as well. And I think you have two teams that want to be physical and the Eagles are better and more physical in the trenches than the 49ers are right now. The 49ers offensive line, they obviously have Trent Williams, Mike McGlinchey's a good player, but I, I think they're really boosted by the fact that Kyle Shanahan is just great at scheming the run game and they've got hella good offensive players. I mean, George Kittle is basically a sixth offensive lineman. Um, he's that good of a blocker. So if this is a game about two teams that want to be physical and, you know, make the trenches where this game is won, I like the Eagles and I don't love oh two and a half is like I think small enough for me to to feel good about it like I would prefer both of these games to be pickums frankly but um I think this is about as close as we're gonna get uh in the conference championship so I am on the Eagles minus two and a half uh toaster who do you got I gotta defer to J-Rob on this one because uh we need him to beat we've gone we've gone uh eye to eye the last two weeks and we've done, been pretty successful so i need sacrificial lamb set the tone here where we're going hey josh went three and one last week too for the record close uh this similar to what you were saying this is a tough one because both teams love to muddy up the line they love to play hard-nosed football the rosters on both sides are probably like top to bottom on both sides of the ball the two best rosters in the league on both sides of the ball if you're combining it Oh man, it I, helps to have quarterbacks that aren't even making first round pick money, you know, 100 um, percent. And the 49ers still have a shit ton of cap space like they are. It's crazy, but we'll get into that in the offseason. Especially once they get rid of Trey Lance. Trey Lance, yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be so great. Um, I am trying not to overthink this in a game that I think is going to be down to the wire. I'm just going to lean into the Niners plus two and a half. There's really no rhyme or reason. I think this game could go either way. I think it's going to be very close, but I just default to defensive players that I think can be absolute game wreckers and offensive players that I think can be absolute game wreckers. And I think Debo is a game wrecker on the offensive side. And I think Fred Warner on the defensive side is a monster. And not that Philly doesn't have monsters on there and they have the best running, one of the best running games in the league. Their wide receiver core is good, but I'm just I'm going to go Niners. I they've been there. Not that the, and the Eagles have too. Don't get me wrong, but they've just the Niners continue to show up and make statement wins with insert quarterback here. Doesn't fucking matter who's throwing the football. They seem to get it done. That I'll take the I'll take the Future Niners. Hall of Famer Brock Purdy. Is hey, both Brady Purdy. They both end in a DY. Like you know, it's got a good ring to it. Yeah, uh, I, I never realized that. that. And 40, the 49ers have two of the purdiest quarterbacks on their roster, right? Dude. Jimmy, GQ, and uh, Brock Purdy. Analytics right there, you know? Um, yeah, so I'm going, I'm going Niners. Uh, I'm, I'm basically leaning into who I think is going to make the Super Bowl, and I think it's going to be Niners-Bengals, and so I'm going. Whoa, spoilers. So uh, <laughs> did I did I bias you into that, J-Rob, or was that actually where you were going? No, I was actually going Niners. Okay, because um, I've got my, my heart pick, so I'll just go ahead and – and say it next i do think the Bengals are going to take down the chiefs at one and a half it's whoa spoiler um but i you know that one's a set uh you know 
want that one to happen. Um, I want the 49ers to win this. Uh, but where I have to land is I trust Hurts more than Purdy. Um, per, I said it in the Cowboys game when I picked the Cowboys to cover the spread. Um, I, it would come down to does Purdy throw an interception to Trayvon Diggs? And it wasn't on Purdy, don't get me wrong, but all hit to hit Trayvon Diggs right in the hands at the goal line, essentially, yeah. and wasn't caught. So I, I think that that luck ultimately runs out. I was not overly impressed by Purdy. I do completely completely agree with everything you've, you've said, that uh, Purdy gives the offense a wrinkle that Jimmy G doesn't, and also a, a wrinkle that Trey Lance doesn't, right? Like J- Purdy plays with the athleticism of Lance, but with the ball security and control decision-making of Jimmy G. Jimmy G is limited athletically. Trey Lance is very gifted athletically, but his decision-making doesn't get him there. So I actually do think Purdy's a good fit for them, but uh, I just, I can't see Purdy continuing to make it through against these high pressure defenses. And you saw how he struggled against the Dallas Cowboys pass rush and the Eagles have the most sacks in the league, right? And they got 75 sacks. It was just short of the 85 Bears, I think, right? Did they finish number two? Um, obviously, they had an extra game. But um, I, I think that that pass rush is what changes it for me. Hurts looked healthy. He didn't have to do too much. He barely used his legs. And it's just a dynamic that as much as I respect and, and really do love that 49ers defense, I don't think that they can hold the Eagles to 12 points like they did the the Dallas Cowboys. And if he was only able to put up 19 against Dallas, I'm not sure that Purdy's going to be able to do that much more against the Eagles. So that's where, that's where I'm picking it. And it it sucks because there's a lot of fun storylines that could happen if the 49ers advance. But I think that the Eagles cover um, and obviously win. That's going to be a good one. Uh, you know, it's funny when you were talking about you think Purdy's luck's going to run out and the Eagles pass rush is just too much. I just had this image in my head of the tuck rule play happening <laughs> and every fucking football analyst, you know, podcasters before podcasts existed uh, going into that game being like, you know, I think this Brady kid's luck's going to run out. Like, I just don't see like the, the Raiders defense is so fucking good. Um, I think, I mean, the difference to me on that one is the talent Brady was surrounded with versus the talent that Brock Purdy surrounded with. I think you throw, you throw Brock Purdy in the new England right now and nobody's talking about him as the second yeah. Brady. Yeah, I, I agree with you there for sure. And obviously I'm on the Eagles as well. So, all right. Um, Toaster and I are on the Eagles. J-Rob, good luck, my friend. Um, it, it hasn't worked out for you when you've picked against us recently. And, you know, I'm doing it for the pod, man. I'm trying to yeah. trying to elevate you guys. You know, I'm I'm one of those okay. few guys that can elevate the rest of the team. You know, I like it. I like it. <laughs> so I'll jump into it because secret's out of the bag on, on my pick right there. Um, it is tough to go against Joe Burr right now. I mean, they've been the underdog after the underdog, and quite frankly, they're the favorite now. They're the overdog, but, yeah. But they started out as the underdog. Like, Vegas still didn't respect them enough to make them the straight-up uh, favorite. It took yeah. the betting line, the betting public moving that line to say, okay, yep, they are the favorites. Uh, ESPN FPI still says that it's, it's the Chiefs. I don't understand how it's the Chiefs, quite frankly. I have not been impressed by the Chiefs, even with a a healthy Patrick Mahomes. And now the fact that he's hobbled, if they can find a way to contain Kelsey, which I 
understand is a challenge. I, I think that it's the first time you're going to see the Chiefs be one-dimensional because I don't think that the Bengals are going to let up the same level of running game that Casey was able to pull off against the Bills. They're going to make Patrick Mahomes beat them, and we're talking about a Patrick Mahomes who's 70% at best. I mean, that jump pass, I will, as much as I think that there's some interception luck that hasn't gone his way or that is, has gone his way, depending on your uh, your perspective, uh, that one-legged left left-footed jump pass to the end zone um like dude's dude's talented dude has some arm strength but i i think that this is ultimately that you're talking about a team that's three and oh against him records don't mean shit to me quite frankly um you know the passes pass every football game is a new football game but they've kind of figured out how to contain mahomes and the fact they were able to contain uh josh allen like they were on on yeah. Sunday, uh, I don't see how they can't scheme up something for Patrick Mahomes, knowing that he's going to be a pocket passer. Yeah, Jerob, uh, you kind of let the cat out of the bag as well that you were on the Bengals. So, uh, yeah, you know, kind of where do you stand with that one? Um, I think it mostly has to do with Pat Mahomes' injury paired with the confidence the Bengals have going forward in this postseason and just the experience they have against the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs have this kind of aura about them that they can be scary. They can be unbeatable. They can be these giants and you have the Bengals who look at them like, so what we've beat them before with a much healthier situation with Tyreek Hill, a healthy Mahomes. And it didn't, it didn't really matter. And so I think they have just so much confidence, like Toast was saying, coming off that bills win plus the Mahomes injury, plus the familiarity with the both teams. I think they're looking at this game and they are, honestly probably licking their chops and not really playing scared and hopefully that doesn't bite them and they come out complacent if it was anyone but joe burrow i'd be worried about that but he is he's got that team buttoned up so tight that i i think it's an e- not easy pick but i had no problem going Bengals minus one oh, okay there we go well go go the other way now that <clears throat> it's an easy pick john well it wasn't easy pick but i mean don't get me wrong 70 percent patrick Mahomes is still a top 10 quarterback but you're limiting one of his great value and great assets that he has. And that's extending plays, getting out of pressure. And I can't help but think a week removed from a high, severe high ankle sprain, like you're tearing ligaments in your foot, dude. Like that's not going to feel good. You can shoot it up all you want, but 70%, 70% Mahomes against a Bengals team that is absolutely rolling right now. I like the Bengals minus one and a half. All right. Uh, it is an easy pick. And I'm going to have to agree with that. Uh, I'm on the Bengals minus one and a half as well. The fact that, and I know Patrick Mahomes is hurt, but the fact that the Chiefs at home in Arrowhead are underdogs, I think tells you all you need to know about this one. Um, You mentioned it, Josh, that like, the chiefs have this aura about them, especially at arrowhead. Like they're scary. Nobody wants to go play there, you know, except maybe Trevor Lawrence, but you know, young and dumb, uh, (laughs) I guess, um, there is zero chance that Joe Burrow and the Bengals give a single fuck about playing an arrowhead, especially without Patrick Mahomes being at full strength. And I think one thing that we didn't really touch on too much from the Bengals bills game, or at least we didn't mention him by name, but the Bengals defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo is fucking awesome. And 
what he's been able to do with this group over the last really year and a half. I mean, I think they kind of found their stride um, towards the end of last season. And then obviously their defense was stellar throughout the playoffs. People thought there would be a regression. There wasn't. And you combine what they're able to do, how he's able to scheme things up. And I don't think he's going to have an issue like that. Travis Kelsey won't be running wild in this one. That doesn't mean that Travis Kelsey won't make plays because he's Travis Kelsey, but, uh, or Kels, um, Kelch, how are you pronouncing that? Kelch, 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 uh, but he's not going to be just wide ass open all the time because they know that that's the only guy you really have to worry about here. And without having to worry about Patrick Mahomes really running around too much, I I think like their game plan is going to be solid. You have the confidence that they're riding with Joe Burr. Um, I loved what they did offensively with Jamar chase within that game to like, just get him touches. Like we obviously know he has that big play capability, but like just, just get him the ball short yardage just, situations in space and or just throw it out of the back of the end zone and have it not be a catch. You know? <laughs> right. Right. And maybe he makes some magic happen. I mean, I just, the Bengals, oh man, they just have this vibe right now about them. And I, I feel like most people and myself included, were kind of like blind to it a little bit because after last year, we the thought was okay. Well, they they can't do that again, right? They're gonna they're gonna have to regress. They kind of caught lightning in a bottle, but maybe the lightning that they caught in the bottle is just having one of the top five quarterbacks in the league on a rookie deal and having this insane talent around him. Like the surplus value that they have because they have Joe Burrow making $9 million a year and Jamar Chase making $6 million a year is fucking bananas. And they don't have have this $44 million in cap space next year. (laughs) That is nuts. I mean, T Higgins is going to be up for an extension and I think they're going to have to weigh that with the Burrow extension that should be coming as well. Right. But it's yeah, it's nuts. And they don't have necessarily, and we talked about it with the Bills, like a superstar studded defense, like, you know, guys that are just A1 all Eli pros. Apple. Eli Apple doesn't outside, do it for you. <laughs> outside of uh Bates, obviously, right? But and Bates is a free agent, so they're gonna have to, yeah. you know, have that conversation as well. But they just have they're very solid all around and the approach that they've taken to building this team especially in the secondary was like let's just throw a bunch of darts at guys that can play they're not stars but they don't really have like a weak link on that group and then you combine that with you know front that has a little bit of ability but is just really schemed up very very well and I mean, the fact that they scored 27 points and it wasn't even close, right? Like they don't need Joe Burrow to just like blow people out to win games. And they deserve that defense deserves all the credit. And it's going to be an interesting game for the Chiefs. I I have faith in Andy Reid that, you know, it's not going to 
look terrible, but um, it, man, if Mahomes takes a bad hit, you know, early in this one, it it could get out of hand potentially. So, uh, yeah. I don't think nice anything. Fifteen yard penalty like, right away. You touched. You touched. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No shit. Right. Um, so I don't think it's you know a fluke. The Bengals are are favored here, and they'll get another shot at this thing. So uh, I'm excited about it. So my, all my of us favorite, are the Bengals. My favorite part is that this is quote unquote the Sunday night game or Sunday afternoon game, but we don't have to listen to Chris Collinsworth come in his pants every time Patrick Mahomes does anything. Um, the fact that like he, the, not the, whatever you want to call it, not fumble tuck rule, whatever. But when he had an easy run up the middle, if he had, you know, more than one leg and instead he decided to throw it, realized that the last second that was a bad decision and then just basically lost it in the ground. And Chris Collinsworth just going off about how, what a, what an amazing play that this was from uh, Patrick Mahomes. I, I'm glad I don't have to hear that shit anymore. But that's the epitome of the types of plays that he's not going to be able to make. Like one week removed from a high ankle sprain, you don't need to shadow him. You don't need to have that spy in the middle of the field. You need to have yeah. that spy in the middle of the field for Kelsey, maybe, right? Like, okay, yeah. he's going to come off the block. And instead of Patrick Mahomes, your number one, your number one uh, read is where the fuck is Kelsey? Um, Kadarius Tony is the one that is the wild card for me. Um, it is an absolute travesty that somebody that talented was able to end up on the Chiefs for the amount of money and draft and draft compensation that ultimately they give them up. But they're starting to work them into the lineup. Had five receptions last game, so I, I'm I'm not of the opinion of you guys that it is a easy pick. But I do think that the Bengals will ultimately get this done. And the the fun part about this is it is a pick 'em, and the Chiefs are underdogs. They're six, eleven, and one against the spread, and the Bengals are thirteen and five. Thirteen and five against the spread. So um yeah. short of the uh Chiefs straight up winning, there's not a whole lot of room for the Chiefs to cover the spread and and uh not win the game. Yeah. So I guess since we're all in the Bengals, what is wait, in your mind then is Kadarius Tony, that one X factor, like what needs to happen for the Chiefs? For them to win this game are you saying tony needs to pop off have his best i'm not saying i'm not saying tony needs to pop off but he needs to be a difference maker the different the difference for me is if they are able to establish a run game because that's something that the the Bengals were easily able to contain against the bills and um i do think as i say pacheco runs like a bat out of hell like that dude is fucking flying around the field but as long as they're able to contain him and that's where I think they'll ultimately tighten down because they say, we just don't want to get beat on these, you know, three, four yard, just churn up the clock, run, uh, get positive yardage. We're going to say, we're going to contain that and make Patrick Mahomes beat us. But we know that Patrick Mahomes is going to beat us from the pocket. That's where I think Kadarius Tony comes into play and says, well, guess what? Now it's just a little swing pass to the outside and we're basically turning him into uh, a punt returner we're running essentially what the cowboys tried to do but with two wide receivers leading the way blocking rather than three linemen yeah uh, jerob what what needs to happen in your mind here for for the chiefs to pull this one out uh for me i think it has everything to do with chris jones if chris jones can decimate that interior line because there is still backup linemen playing for the Bengals. And so if Chris yeah. Jones being an all pro player can have an Aaron Donald like game and 
take over that interior pass rush, I think they can make things very difficult. I think the way they scheme the the Bills, I have faith in the line holding up, but I do think Chris Jones could ultimately be a game wrecker, especially when interior pass rush. If you can if you can split the A gap and get pressure up the A gap, every quarterback under the sun has trouble with A gap pressure. It's it's a tough thing to deal with. And I think that could be could be the, an X factor. The difference to me is that that doesn't rattle Joe Burr, right? Like he had nine sacks against the Titans, or the Titans had nine sacks against him. And you're just sure. like, Jeffrey oh, Simmons fuck. did that. Yeah. Th- th- thank you, mom. Can I have another? Like they, ju- they just get back up and just say, okay, well, we lost that play. Let's let's go again. It doesn't rattle him. It's not like a Brady who is bailing out because he knows that he's going to get pressured and doesn't want to get hit. He's just like, I'll take it on the chin and live to fight another down. Right. Yeah. No, it, it, you're right, but I do think that is that I that's my same piece, that same X factor is like Chris Jones could disrupt their offense enough to where you get a couple, you know, maybe Tony breaks a 50-yard play or, you know, Mahomes makes one or two magical plays happen and it's at least like a game, right? Yeah. And if you get yourself in that situation, I, I think the Chiefs, as much as the Bengals, feel confident that you know they can pull that uh, those games out. So um, that to me is the only thing. But the Bengals better have a plan for Chris Jones for sure, because uh, otherwise, yeah, it's easy. It's easy, right? <laughs> uh, the uh, one thing I'm not looking forward to is the week leading up to the uh, Chiefs game. I can't. I. I just know it's going to happen, but all the media is just going to dick ride Patrick Mahomes for being so brave and so strong for playing through an ankle injury and getting to the AFC championship. And it's like, dude, every dude in the league is playing with an injury, but they're going to talk about how brave and heroic of a performance that Patrick Mahomes is by playing on one leg. And it makes me want to blow my fucking brains. And your (laughs) backup is Chad Henney. So like it is a steep drop off, even if you say that Patrick Mahomes shouldn't be able to go right. This isn't really a a consideration. No, he's not even. Yeah, it's, it will happen. (sighs) I you sound like a hater to me, Josh. I don't know. Uh, oh, I am hundred percent, dude. Hate, I hate, mean, hate, 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 hate. I will hate, gladly hate they. on the Chiefs. I will gladly root for their demise. <laughs> Fuck the Chiefs. I'm tired of them winning, and I have ten more years of passion from home. So I got to take my wins where I can. At least. Um. All right, guys. It's gonna be a good week. It's gonna be a good week. These are two really fucking good games. I'm excited about. I wish Mahomes was healthy because. I, I think we might, you know, have a little bit. Um, there, might, it might not be as easy, okay. If <laughs> but um, I, I'm stoked about it. Any last points before we get out of here? Uh, one more question, kind of based on what Toaster was saying about Mahomes only has one Super Bowl win, and yes, like super, winning Super Bowls is hard. If Mahomes loses to Burrow again, I know we won't be thinking this, but do you think the media will start to change the narrative on Patrick Mahomes a little bit? Saying Not he's like, slightest. okay, I didn't think so, but I wasn't sure if like, how many times Patrick Mahomes can do things that nobody else can do. I'm not going to say that those things are always smart or good football decisions, but that it's not like a talent drop off. This isn't uh Patrick Mahomes has not yet to this point and maybe you can point out a game where i'm misspeaking on this but i don't think there's been a single time where he's let the team down quite frankly 
Oh, for sure. But I mean, Rogers only has one Super Bowl, and that's something that gets hung over his head, and no one would argue his talent level. Well, I th- we can have John go off on uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers' Super Bowl. You want to spit that one out real quick? I mean, Rodgers' Super Bowl happened 12 years ago. Um, so I think if Patrick Mahomes goes on... Oh, you're, you're going you're gonna to leave it at that? You're not going to talk about how he won his Super Bowl? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I could rehash my my text to you guys that the of course, the only year that he wins and goes to the Super Bowl, he beats the Bears in the NFC championship game. But that was the game that Jay Cutler got hurt. So um, Aaron Rodgers better be sending Caleb Haney a fucking gift package every year for the rest of his life. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, I think when you say the media changed their tune. I think you have to like maybe specify who you're talking about. Like, is it media that we should be listening to? Because pretty sure Dan Orlovsky today said that, um, you know, Joe Burrow's the greatest quarterback in the NFL right now, which um, I love Joe Burrow, but I think unequivocally, like Patrick Mahomes has had the best five-year start to anybody's career that they've ever had. Like, that's just dumb. And you're taking it 10 out of 10 it's times. inflammatory. Yeah. So like, yeah, it, are we saying that that media is going to say that? Because they absolutely will. I think people that actually know what they're talking about and you should be listening to will say like, let's pump the brakes. They've hosted five straight AFC championship games. Like they took a step back this year by trading Tyree kill and sort of resetting their, their situation. And they still ended up hosting the AFC championship game. Um, I would hope that we're not that short sighted, but you never know. People are dumb. I, I'll put it this way. I hope we're fucking having that conversation. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. For the content, baby. For the content. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Um, well, that'll do it for uh, Divisional Round Week. Got only two weeks left of actual football. The, you know, the Pro Bowl skills challenge or whatever the hell football. it is. Dude, Doesn't count. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, J-Rob. You want to lead us out here? Yeah. I mean, shit, I don't even know how to spin this one because it's like Broncos country's dead. Uh, Championship weekend. Let's ride, baby. Let's go. I like it. I'm actually super stoked for this matchup, though, because like especially the division games this week or it felt like last year kind of set us up for just like failure because last week last year's division round was just so good with like overtime games last second field goals that it was probably like a pipe dream to think that it was going to be more of that again um but i do think this weekend is going to be utterly electric and i cannot wait how crazy is it that no quarterback in the nfl playoffs still was older than 10 when tom brady started playing nfl football (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) Just the fact that Brady's played over half of his or half of his life has occurred while he's been an NFL quarterback is. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I was was looking at some some stuff yesterday and like the difference between um, Tom Brady and the next oldest quarterback, which is Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers and Matt Barkley is essentially the same. And yes, Matt Barkley is still in the league. Uh, He was in the playoffs as of last week for for the bills so (laughs) good for that guy man